Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time is most appropriate for you as you are tuning in. Welcome to a brand new day with Stephanie J. I am your host, and I am so delighted that you are with me on this beautiful day. Why? Because it is the day that the Lord hath made, and we should be rejoicing, and we should be glad in it even though it was pretty rainy for a while. And depending on where your location is, the power was out for a while. But still a beautiful day if you are alive. So what does it mean to rejoice? I'm glad you asked. It means to experience joy and gladness in a high degree, to be exhilarated with lively and pleasurable sensations to exalt. And my acronym for rejoice is reach every day for the joy offered in Christ to everyone. How are you doing out there today? I hope and pray that you are well. I hope you can hear in my voice that I am well today. I feel much better than I did yesterday. I've had a pretty eventful morning. Let me just share just a little bit. I woke up early as usual. I couldn't go back to sleep. I prayed for a while and then I got up and I had to run out to my car for something, but then I came back and I read the word. I was still in Ephesians. I've been there for about a few days now. Normally I read, you know, one through six in a sitting powerful book. That book of Ephesians is tells us so much about what we have in Christ and who we really are in him. So if you haven't taken the time to read it, or if it's been a while since you have, I definitely recommend it. So when I finished that, I needed to get on a computer for a while. I needed to finish typing out some scriptures for the current book that I published on Amazon, uh, Simply God's Word on the Mind. So I worked on that while my son was still asleep this morning. I completed that and then it was time to work out. I'm so pumped. I have been really consistent for about the last month or so in doing my workouts every single day. Yay, staff. I'm feeling so good. Um, I added a new element yesterday and it was fun. I wanted to break it up some. And uh, my son, Rashan, he gave his little brother his wee around uh, Christmas time. They actually took their little brother on a uh, little sabbatical and they um, they stayed at a, like a, what do you call that thing? The air loft or air location, air bed and breakfast, something like that. They call it now. And, um, you know, they had this big, beautiful house to themselves for a few days. And so he just had such a great time and his brother took the wee and, you know, they played way while they were there and they took them out to eat and 
you know, just spoiling him. He had such a good time. So when he came home on Christmas Eve, he had his Wii. Okay. Away went the Sega, Pac-Man, <laughs> the other games that he had, those are packed up in the closet. He just pretty much plays the Wii and not all the time, because as I mentioned before, uh, his game time is monitored. He's a homeschool student. He does his work, his assignments through the week. Friday is normally our test day for him. And then he gets to play the game on the weekends. And every now and then, depending on what's going on, he'll get to play on an off day here and there. And, you know, he gets that sometimes. But anyway, he enjoys the Wii. And we have a lot of fun with it because, you can play, um, in addition to the games that he likes to play, you can play sports, uh, baseball, snowboarding, which my son is upset. I pretty much beat him every time we play that. And, um, you know, there's tennis and bowling. Bowling is really, really fun. But when he got it, you know, one of my husband's coworkers had a whole bunch of games on the job. And he was telling him, you know, I don't even really play this stuff. So he gave my son a lot of, um, you know, we CDs. And then he gave me some workout CDs and some dance CDs. So I only tried them probably once or twice back then. And I kind of forgot about them. And then yesterday I just told my son, I said, you know what, plug up the Wii. I'm, I want to dance to the, um, you know, to the Wii dance for a workout. And man, I did that for about a half an hour yesterday. And man, I really broke a sweat. I said, wow, this is a good workout. And it was fun. And so, you know, after I did my workout, I put it on again and I, I danced to that. So I was feeling so good. And then, um, you know, I'm glad this is radio, radio or podcasting because I just get to sit in front of a mic and don't have to worry about being seen. I wash my hair. <laughs> And so I'm sitting here with a big pink towel wrapped around my hair with conditioner. But see, that is the beauty of being at home, being able to podcast in the privacy of your own home because nobody can see you. So all of that contributes to the good mood that I am in. I'm feeling good. And then after I finish my workout, when I grab my little weights, I put on a really upbeat um, gospel song from my playlist that I have on uh, YouTube. And it's a song by um, Gabriel Hardiman, Delegation, and it's called Lift Him Up. And that's a song that really makes you dance and jump and, you know, just really get into the groove. So I did that. And I mean, I feel fantastic. But at some point I had to run out to my car and it, you know, started raining. It was just coming down a little bit. And I went, went out, you know, I had my workout clothes on still. So I ran out to the car, grabbed what I needed to grab. And then it was feeling so good out there. I just, you know, stayed out back for a few minutes. But while I was out there, I did what I normally do. And I just started talking to my Lord. I just love our conversations. And I started talking to him and I said, you know, God, would you just release your ladder ring? Would you just pour out your rain on us? Would you, and that includes you, I'm talking, you know, your people. Would you just bless your people? About two to three minutes later, boy, that rain started 
pouring down raining. It felt so good. I didn't even care about my hair getting wet because I knew I was about to take a shower and I was going to wash my hair anyway. I stayed out there for about another five minutes or so, just pouring down rain. My son came to the glass. He said, mommy, why are you outside? I said, because I just want to be, you know, it just felt so good. I came in the house. I was just like dripping wet. Boy, I felt so refreshed. I'm telling you, we need the rain. It's good. And I had this thought while I was out there, like a lot of times we run from the rain. You know, we carry our umbrellas or if you happen to be in a situation where it starts raining and you're like walking up the street or whatever, a lot of times we'll just take off running. We try to avoid the rain. We try to not to get wet. I know a lot of women are funny about their hair when their hair gets wet, but I don't have a problem with that because I don't wear weaves. <laughs> I wear my own hair. I've been blessed to have long hair all of my life. So all I'm going to do is just do it anyway. And right now, since I've been working out every day, I basically have been just wearing ponytails or two braids like I used to do when I was a kid, or I'll plait my hair in two plaits. So I'm not really worried. It felt good getting wet in that rain today. Somebody needs to be refreshed. So next time it starts raining, don't look for the umbrella. Don't run out of the rain. Just stand there and let it come down on you for a little bit and see how good that feels. So before I get into my topic, I'm trying to finish up the last portion of Rise Up where I was talking about Jesus raising Lazarus his friend from the dead. But I was doing a little bit of reading. The Phoenix bird came back to mind sometime early this morning and I was pulling up some information about it. And it made me think about, you know, rising up out of ashes, being in a low place. Um, many people right now are despondent, hopeless, you know, depressed, uh, worried, anxious, all of these array of emotions. And I just want you to understand today that no matter how difficult it is, take it from somebody who's been there, you can still rise. You can rise up. Um, a song that I really like by Yolanda Adams and I've sang a few times, Yet Still I Rise. You need to know that it's not over. The, the saying used to go, it's not over to the fat lady sings. I'll be honest with you. And I've used it a few times, but I don't really understand what that means. I, I really don't, but it's a saying. We pick up a whole bunch of sayings and cliches and stuff, be it good or bad. Some of them we just need to leave alone. We need to leave them in the past. We're speaking things that don't even make sense, or we're speaking sometimes self-fulfilling prophecies. And some of it is just plain nonsense. We don't need to repeat or keep repeating everything that someone else says, but I know who we do need to repeat. We need to repeat what God says. You need to repeat what he has said in his word about you. Um, one of the scriptures that I like in Colossians, and I can't recall the verse, but every time I read it, it quickens me. It says, and ye are complete in him. And I always say, Stephanie, I like to add my name to the scriptures. I like the way that sounds. I am complete in him. What, what does complete mean? Complete means complete. Complete means everything is there. Nothing's missing. Nothing's broken. Complete. 
complete. Incomplete is incomplete. Everything is not there is incomplete. Something that you can return to. Complete means complete. Brings to mind um, any pancake makers out there. I'm a pancake maker. I've tried to make from scratch, you know, the batter a few times because I had a, a cookbook that had recipes like that and it wasn't too hard, but I didn't really like the taste of it. And I didn't really like the way the batter came out, but I happened to be a hungry Jack pancake maker. Now, if you go to the store, you'll see they have complete and then they have the incomplete batter, meaning they're both, the both boxes are the same. One just says complete and the other doesn't. The other one shows you a picture and it tells you, okay, if you get this batter, you have to, and it's in powder form, so you have to add eggs and milk and you know maybe butter or whatever else. But if you get the complete, all of that is in it. All you have to do now is add water. So it depends on which one you would choose to use. I'll be honest, I get the complete. <laughs> it's no different. But one time I accidentally picked up the other box and when I made the batter, I said, what's different about this? this? This is not coming out the same. And I looked at it and I said, oh, wow, because this is, you know, not the complete what I usually buy. And I didn't like it too much. But anyway, so when I read that, it tells me I'm complete in him. So that means I don't have to look for a man to complete me. Hello, somebody. You men who are in Christ, you don't have to look for a woman to complete you. The Bible says that we women are to be a help me. But guess what? Adam was already straight before Eve came along. God had equipped him, gave him everything that he needed, put him in control. People say Adam had a job. Well, Adam managed everything. Um, I say, see Adam more as a business, not necessarily an owner because God was the owner. Adam was management. He was the CEO, CEO of the company, okay? Um, but he was already complete. And then God removed Eve from his rib after he put him to sleep. That's the first surgery that ever took place. God put him into a deep sleep and he took his rib. And out of that, he formed the woman. He created us, ladies. He crafted us. So don't let anybody treat you like you're not a designer's original. Don't do it ever again. And I'm saying that to myself as well. We women are sometimes guilty of that. That's a whole nother topic. You are who you are and you were made in his likeness and image. And no, you were not made inferior to Adam. No, we were not. That's a whole nother topic. Why am I even getting on this? I don't even know, but maybe somebody needs to hear this. The Bible says God made them he made them male and female. And then another scripture in Genesis says, and he called them Adam. So Adam's name was Adam and Eve's name was Adam. He made no distinction. He said, you two are to be one. When we come together the way that God brings us together, we are to be one. Okay. And it says, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Go read it for yourself. It's there. I promise you, I'm not making this up. It's there. So anyway, we're called to be a help meet, but you need to understand that we are complete in him. So 
Now that I've gone off on that tangent for whatever reason, I want to read a little bit about the phoenix. It says, in ancient Egypt and in classical antiquity, a fabulous bird associated with the worship of the sun, the Egyptian phoenix was said to be as large as an eagle. The eagle is my bird, y'all. I'm from Philadelphia anyway. Philadelphia eagles, you know it. But um, that's the bird that I like. And that's who we're supposed to be flying like anyway. You're not supposed to be walking around like chickens and turkeys. You're supposed to be flying like an eagle. Okay. It says with brilliant scarlet and gold plumage and a melodious cry, only one phoenix existed at any time and it was very long lived. No ancient authority gave it a lifespan of less than 500 years. As its end approached, the phoenix fashioned a nest of aromatic bowls and spices, set it on fire, and was consumed in the flames. Somebody is feeling consumed right now. Somebody is in the fire right now. You need to listen to this. And it says, from the pyre miraculously sprang a new phoenix, which after embalming its father's ashes in an egg of myrrh, flew with the ashes to Heliopolis, city of the sun in Egypt, where it deposited them on the altar in the temple of the Egyptian god of the sun, Re. A variant of the story made the dying phoenix fly to Heliopolis and immolate itself in the altar fire from which the young phoenix then rose. It says the Egyptians associated the phoenix with immortality and that symbolism had a widespread appeal in late antiquity. The phoenix was compared to undying Rome and it appears on the coinage of the late Roman empire as a symbol of the eternal city. It was also widely interpreted as an allegory of resurrection and life after death, ideas that also appealed to emergent Christianity. So why did I want to share that? I shared that simply for this reason. I want somebody to be encouraged today to understand that even a mythological bird, <laughs> symbolic of death still rose again. We were talking about Lazarus who was in the grave for four whole days, went through the whole process of dying, being embalmed. He's in the grave four whole days. And we saw through that story in, in John chapter 11, that Jesus called him up out of that grave. So the whole purpose of these uh, last podcasts, and this is the fourth one, is for you to see that no matter how dead your situation is, you can rise again. Now, I'm going to pause right here because I was searching for uh, a song on my son's CD, uh, Rashan, Melancholy Moods is what he entitled this uh, when he sent it to me. And I put on the second CD. I haven't listened to this in a while. And I was skipping through it. And when I got to number three and I said, wow, that would be a perfect song for the type of day it is. And then when I grabbed the CD cover and poured out the paper that he wrote 
he, you know, wrote the names down. It's called Raining Outside. I said, yes, perfect match. So I'm going to play that and come back and talk just a little bit more about Lazarus and how you two can rise up. Stay tuned. Right. Yes, it has been raining outside, but who minds the rain outside when you can stay inside and listen to beautiful melodies like that? Thank you, Shine. So I'm going back to John chapter 11. I've already been through pretty much the entire chapter. If you haven't heard the previous episodes, it will be good for you to start at the beginning and hear how it built up to this point because I don't have time to go back through it. We know that Lazarus was sick. We know that he died. We know that Jesus chose to stay where he was after he got the message two more days, even though he knew Lazarus was at the point of death. I explained how Jesus was confident and he knew who he was. He knew what he was going to do. So he did not let the message take him off course. He had things to do. He was ministering to people in the town where he was. So when he arrived in Bethany, where Lazarus and Lazarus, I don't know why I keep saying Rith, Maybe because I read the King James Version and everything ends with the E-T-H. <laughs> but Lazarus, Lazarus and his sisters lived um, in Bethany. So Jesus walked there with his disciples. It says it was about two miles away. And when he got there, Martha met him and she said, you know, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know you can ask the father and he'll give you whatever you want. 
So then Mary, who was sitting in the house, eventually comes out and she goes to Jesus and she says the same thing. Lord, had you been here, my brother would not have died. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was vexed in his spirit. And in verse 35 of the same chapter, it says, Jesus wept. So now he's at the grave. He says, show me where you've, lo- where you've laid him. And um, I read up to 43 the last time, but I'm going to start at 40 again. It says, Jesus saith unto her, said I not to thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. 41, then they took away the stone. I mentioned some of you need to take some things away that's holding you back from coming out. I'm telling you, I've done that. And it is like a rebirth in the natural. Get rid of some of that dead weight. I don't care what form it is in. I don't care. Move it. If you can't do it alone, get somebody to help you move that stone away. It says where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. 42, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. 43 says, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, why did he specify Lazarus? Why did he say Lazarus come forth? Well, because he was in a graveyard. And if he had just said, come forth, any and everybody would have rose up, but he wasn't there for everybody. Somebody catch this. He was there specifically for Lazarus. So if you think you're insignificant, if you think you're unimportant, if you think you're just this little peon out here and God is not concerned about you, I'm here to refute that. He cares about you. And just like he called Lazarus forth, he's calling each and every one of us. He said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. So are you hearing his voice? Are you listening for his voice? Are you even connected to him? If you don't have that connection, you need to get connection. If if you had it and you lost it, you need to get reconnected. You need to rise up. And that's really the first step. That's the first and most important step, making sure that you have that relationship with him. And then when things die around you, you don't have to worry about it because you know it will live again. 44 says, and he that was dead and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot. Now see, look at this. He came forth, but he was still bound. Jesus uh, raised him up, but he was still bound. Jesus called him forth, but he was still bound. So listen, we don't always just get free right away. Listen to the process. And sometimes it is a process. My God, I know that I'm on a long journey right now. And it has been a process for years but it says he came for bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Some of us need to get out of these grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Look, he was bound from head to toe. You can't get much more bound than that. 
It's not even just talking about chains and shackles on his hands and feet. He was bound. Even his head was bound up. Now that's bound. And Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. So there you have it. The man that was dead came forth. When he came forth, he was still bound. He was still tied up. He was still tied to those things that held him down, that had him bound in that grave. It was all on him from his head to his feet. And all Jesus did was speak a command, loose him and let him go. And 45 says, then many of the Jews, which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. And then verse 47 46 says, but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. And of course we know the rest of the story, the Pharisees weren't happy, but that did not stop Jesus from doing what he came to do. And I need for you to understand as my time is running down, it is no different for Lazarus, for his family, for the other people that Jesus had compassion on, how much more compassion does he have for us when he gave his very life and he went to the cross for us? So you don't have to be bound. You don't have to let things and people and situations take the life out of you. Get up out of that grave. Come up out of that grave. Come up out of that bondage. Some things you have the power to stop even before it gets to a point of uh, decease. You have the power to stop it before it takes you out of here. You have to be willing to let go so that you can rise up. That's the message that I'm going to end this on. Let go, let it go, whatever it is, whoever it is, let it go and rise up like that phoenix, reinvent yourself, rise up out of the ashes and continue to keep rising. You be blessed and thanks for joining me today. Stay encouraged, okay?